time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. We are broadcasting live from the Finastra Forum of the Americas. Tell you about that in just a minute here in Austin, Texas. And I'm on my cell phone doing this from my hotel room. We just recorded a session. This event was supposed to be live, but because of the resurgence of COVID, they decided to make it virtual. So this thing is one massive production. It's so impressive. Kudos to Finastra for the job they're doing at one of the most massive virtual events. That's global. It's pretty amazing when you work with the number one fintech company and the resources they have and how they go about it. But anyway, that's where we're at. And that's why I might sound just a little bit different than normal. This is Monday, January 24th, 2022. So good to have you with us. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment, as we tell you each and every week, is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. You have an internet connection, you can listen to us. You got a cell phone, you can listen. Got a computer, however you can. Anyway, we're glad that most of you have internet and you can listen to us. By the way, in our Hot Topics segment this week, Kathleen Schreiner Gates, we caught up with her. She is the new CEO at Simple Nexus. And I got to tell you, they were acquired by Encino, a publicly traded company, and a worldwide leader in cloud banking. We're going to hear about the opportunities that this acquisition and the other acquisitions that Simple Nexus made, one of which was LBA Ware, Lori Brewer's company, or is a good friend, very excited about the products and services she's been creating over the years. Simple Nexus liked it so much that they bought it. And then they no more completed that acquisition, and then Encino came in and bought Simple Nexus. So very exciting to hear all about that. So we're also going to have her on the Looking on the Leadership podcast. If you haven't listened to that Looking on Leadership podcast, be sure to go check. Also, we're proud to be part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com and all the podcasts that are available and published through the Industry Syndicate. Please, with our partnership with them. Also, thrilled to have the following sponsors with us, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Love what they do. Again, I've already talked about Finastra. Their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution is a combination of the MortgageBot POS and the MortgageBot LOS, and they do a great job of creating a path to borrower satisfaction. If you're an institution looking for a new LOS or POS, check out Fusion Mortgage Bot and Finastra.com. And we're here again in Austin at this amazingly produced event. Got to be on with Tony Thompson. That was so much fun. Tony and I were on a panel together. I got to tell you, you got to check out what Namba is doing. What Tony's doing is really amazing. It's fun to get caught up with them and the progress they've made. That organization is ensuring everyone needs to check out what they're doing. So get a hold of Tony Thompson. Also, Lenders One, glad to be partnered with them along with the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these organizations do a great job of getting lenders and vendors together in a more intimate way, which you can connect and find out what's going on with your peers. 
and the vendors they use. I'm really impressed with that. I, hey, I got caught up with Rich Zabinski this last week. We're going to be releasing that recording. Rich is a good friend and appreciate him and his leadership at Mortgage Collaborative. They're having some explosive growth, as is Lenders One. There's a real need for these organizations, but that does not mean you shouldn't be a member of the MBA. Neither one of those organizations erase your need to become a member of the MBA. Uh, let's also say a big thank you to Incelerate. Josh Friend over at Incelerate does a great job of helping you connect with the borrower, creating an enhanced borrower engagement and experience. Also, Knowledge Coop, Ken Perry is up at the IMB conference up in Nashville that's going on right now. Saw a picture of he and Kathy Thomas and David Kawada just give me a few minutes ago. They're doing well and having fun up at IMB. Also, the Mobility MMI as well as Modex, both of these platforms do a great job of helping you connect with your best loan officers that you want to go recruit in the marketplace, also giving you insights to what's going on. Who's buying and selling? Which real estate firms are the best? Which ones are hot and which ones are not? But I think every market's hot. But anyway, check out these two firms. They're great. Also, Snapbox helps lenders overcome obstacles, adopting e-mortgage technology. Snapbox is now offering e-mortgage quick start program. Check it out. We had uh, Vishal Rana on the podcast on September. Listen to that podcast. Also, Success Kit, I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with what we're getting from Julian Lumpkin and the group there at Success Kit helping you tell your story. If you're a loan officer, if you're a company, and you want to get one of your customers to come on and talk about what a great experience they had by working with you, get a hold of Julian at Success Kit. I tell you, it's really amazing. Also, Lender Toolkit, very pleased to have them on. And we have several new sponsors coming on. Can't wait to talk about it. We're just getting the contract signed. So a list of sponsors continues to grow, and we're very grateful. But I'm also so grateful that we have Alice, Alan, Matt, Rob, Les, and now Jack contributing to this podcast each and every week. Normally, we'd head out to Rob Van Raphorst, but Rob did not get a segment in because I think he's at the IMB. I'm sure he's at the IMB conference. But let's get over to Les Parker with today's PM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Let's... TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. All that selling, got bombs down, has pipelines churning all around. The bond bears rule, but related markets point to a continuation of the sharp correction. Learn to freak when the markets freak out. If mortgages can live without massive liquidity from central banks and live with COVID, then lenders and borrowers will find a new value. That is, rates rise. But if they cannot, then rates fall. The only certainty is uncertainty. So be a proactive hedger. They dance when the world freaks out. So set ahead and find the floor. These views are my own. Freak now at tmspotlight.com. Good job, Good job. Appreciate his contributions each and every week. He and Gary Kentrabone partner up and do a great job of producing that segment. But Jack and I were having a conference call on Friday talking about this segment, and Les distills down so much and talks about so much in such a short amount of time. You've got to get tmspotlight.com to understand Les's music parodies, his humor and all the information and wisdom that comes through from it. So check out tmspotlight.com and sign up for that newsletter. And you can use the word power for power seller to be able to get that paid version for free. So check it out. 
We've got Matt Graham here. Good to have Matt on the phone each and every week giving us an update. Check out mbslive.net. I am such a fan of this product and the screens and the information comes across. But let's hear about it directly from Matt Graham, founder and CEO of mbslive.net. Matt, so good to hear you, bud. <laughs> yeah, freak out. Les nailed it, especially last Tuesday. There was a fantastically bad start to the week for the bond market on top of what has already been a fantastically bad January, uh, which we've had a chance to talk about on a few occasions. But at the start of last week, we had foreign accounts dogpiling on some Fed speeches that came out at the end of the previous week and just joined the chorus of the general notion that the Fed is going to remove bond buying accommodation more quickly than previously expected. And what we're talking about specifically is not tapering because that is already in the work mm-hmm. and done as of March. We're talking about balance sheet normalization. So that, if you recall, this was not as visible back in 2018, but this is when the Fed started to let their reinvestments roll off the balance sheet. So they capped the amount that they right. would reinvest each month. And that began to shrink the balance sheet and it wasn't too long before the market freaked out enough (laughs) for them to change tack a bit and say, okay, look, rates have been high for long enough. And it seems like the economy is pouting enough about that, that we are going to level off policy now. And the next move after that was a rate cut. And then the 2019 trade war, of course, dovetailing into COVID. And here we are with more stimulus. We knew the Fed would be pulling away that stimulus whenever it made sense to do so. Arguably, it made sense to pull it away earlier than now. And some are concerned that it's a policy error and the Fed is behind the curve so much that they're going to precipitate the next downturn. That's totally possible. But I think if you're looking at where the economy is right now and just how much the Fed is buying in terms of MBS and treasuries, it hasn't made sense for them to be as big of buyers as they have been. So, If you could just look at the landscape of the economy and the market right now, and you had to pick a Fed funds rate, and you had to pick a level of bond buying that the Fed should be doing, you would not pick 0% and tens of billions of dollars every month. You'd probably pick no bond buying and a policy rate that is high enough to maybe slow down inflation. Now, a caveat there, the Fed will be the first to admit that the policy rate is not the ideal tool to control the kind of inflation we're having right now. But nonetheless, they might as well do what they can until such time inflation comes down. And it will come down later this year simply due to base effects. But that's another conversation for another time. At any rate, so it's that Fed policy shift driving rates quickly higher at the start of last week. And then we began to correct in the same sort of pattern that we saw in the previous week. And this is a normal pattern when the market is adjusting to a shift in Fed policy. So the only question is, has the shift been priced in enough? And I think we might be seeing some clues as to that because this correction over the last three days of last week and now today is a little bit better developed than the last one. But I do think it is just a consolidation. I don't think that we're looking at the market completely changing course on the rising rate environment in 2022, because if rates needed an excuse to go a bit lower today, they had it when S&P futures were down more than 4% about an hour ago, and they didn't take that. In fact, 10-year yield sort of just 
hit the floor and slid sideways at mm, 1.7 plus. And I think if they want a justification, they definitely could have gone under that 1.71 pivot point because it's a little bit easier just to say it looks like rates are finding their range ahead of the Fed on Wednesday. And that indeed is this week's big event. Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time, Fed announcement, and then a Powell press conference, as always, half an hour after that. Will the Fed hike rates at this meeting? No, zero chance of that. Will the Fed announce a faster tapering process than is already in the works? No, zero chance of that. They have no incentive to increase the speed of the taper. It's going to be over in March anyway. And even if they did increase the speed, it's not as if they're going to move the rate hike forward from March anyway. Another question, really, that I've gotten from multiple people in the past few weeks, is the Fed going to hike rates by 50 basis points in March? No, zero chance of that. It's just really not in their playbook. And I say zero, but it's one of these 95% confidence interval things, right? You never know for sure. But because of all of these questions, I think you can expect reporters to either ask them verbatim directly or at least ask questions that draw that information out of Powell. So markets are interested to get a commitment on the pace of rate hikes, the possibility or impossibility of a 50-bit hike in March. I'm sure he's going to push back on that pretty quick. But the biggest piece of info will be any sense of timing of balance sheet normalization. So if he says, yeah, we're going to start hiking in March, it's pretty much a done deal, and then we're going to start normalizing the balance sheet in June, that's going to be worth more bond market weakness. And specifically more MBS weakness because the mortgage side of the market relies a bit more on the Fed bond buying program than treasuries do. So it's easier for treasuries to find a bid without the Fed than mortgages, in other words. And that has been reflected in MBS underperformance over the past few weeks. And it is something that could continue if the Fed kind of stays the course on their normalization rhetoric that began at the beginning of January. Will the Fed acknowledge that this reaction to their policy shift is damaging to markets? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll acknowledge it, but I'm not sure if it has gone far enough for them to be concerned about yet. We need to remember that if stocks had remained on the trajectory that they were on before the pandemic, they would still be significantly lower than they are right now. And Mm -hmm. I think in the grand scheme of things, the correction we've seen, A, is not quite big enough to concern the Fed. And B, the Fed can point to 2013 and 2014 as evidence that tapering and pulling away from bond buying programs doesn't single-handedly tank the market. In fact, stocks didn't care too much at all in 2013. So I don't think that people should place too high a hope on the Fed pushing back on their recent policy shift just because stocks have sold off so much and rates have risen a fairly nominal amount given the circumstances. Right. So nice couple of days, but now we wait and see what the next momentum phase will be. And it will be based largely on what the Fed has to say on Wednesday, probably. Well, we shall see. Man, you don't have these screens in front of you? Like, I need to bring that up. I will bring it up in my iPad just so I have that up and running. I mean, it's a great tool. You have created some great technology that you can have on a screen behind you like I do in my office. Or have it on your iPad or mobile device and be able to keep up on all the stuff that's happening. Matt, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here, friend. You bet. Sign up for the extended trial period without a credit card by putting in LOL, looking on Lenny, in the the sign-up code. So, Matt, appreciate it very much. So, before you leave, Matt, 
Let's get Mr. Nunnery on here. So, Jack, I know you're retired, but you watch the market. Would you ever not watch the markets, even though you were supposedly retired? Like a hungry hawk, I watch the market. So I agree with Matt. While the correction that we're seeing across all the major equity markets, NASDAQ, S&P, if it closes in and around where it's at today, we'll check the block on correction. It hasn't been significant enough, in my opinion, to deter the hawkish rhetoric coming out of the Fed. So I think you're going to see the Fed largely ignore the correction in the equities market and continue with its rhetoric that they've been espousing now for the past several months. So while there's a lot of folk out there smarting over the loss in their 401ks. The Dow's down over a 1,000 today, or it was when I checked it a couple minutes ago. Not a sufficient enough correction to cause any significant concern at the Fed over their approach to curbing inflation. So I kind of look at the Wednesday Fed meeting and say, don't look for any change of course to be discussed by the Fed. So it is what it is. And the thing that's got me a little nervous, guys, is the potential impact of some of the global possibilities that we've talked about in the past. The Ukraine is weighing in on the equity markets. And I was reading an article over the weekend what China on Sunday flew 39 military planes into Taiwanese airspace. So I don't expect Chinese to make any move until after the Olympics. But keep an eye on the global side of things. There is a lot of unrest in that arena. So, Matt, that's the thing. It's probably one of the reasons why people need to have your service, because when there's any rumors or anything and things start deteriorating, your screens actually bring that up, and you talk about everything on there so eloquently uh, with the commentary that you have, the pieces that you publish each and every week. So. Good to see you. Matt, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, just really briefly, because I know we've taken quite a bit of time, but the geopolitical events definitely are a bit of a wild card. And I just think that there's a, a really wide spectrum of how they could play out and how that would impact the bond market. And while we can't really know how that's going to go ahead of time, we do know that in 2014, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that it was a complete non-event for the bond market. I'm not saying it's going to be a non-event this time, but I'm saying there are ways that that stuff can happen where it is a non-event and it can leave your average market watcher wondering, huh, why didn't Russia invading Ukraine help bonds more? But I mean, if the U.S. gets involved in a major way, it could obviously change things. But the other thing to keep in mind there with Taiwan is that that's the ground zero for the chip shortage. Disruptive sort of military campaign going on in Taiwan, then that could have implications on inflation because... 70% of the world's semiconductors come out of Taiwan. So there's just a little counterpoint to consider when we're talking about the reason that rates need to go higher anyway is inflation-related, and that could have a countervailing impact, as it were. Very good. Matt, Jack, thank you so much. Les Parker is listening in. Thank you all for helping us sort through the markets. Excellent job. Love your service. Get signed up for mbslive.net using the LOL code. Just go ahead and sign up. They get your credit credit or I'll pay for it. It's worth it. Every dollar of it. Every dollar dime of it. Let's move over to Alice Alvey. She's CMB Vice President of Education and Training and Union Home Mortgage. And uh, she's got this week's legislative update. Alice, good to have her here with us. I know you are also going to give us a little bit of some things that we would have otherwise might have heard from 
Rob Dan Raphorst, what you got for us today, friend? If you read that <laughs> news link, you'll see that Rob yeah. is providing here a synopsis of that advocacy piece that goes in the news link on Monday. Right. So one of the main things that is news everyone's been waiting for was when are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac going to be implementing the desktop appraisal option that they talked the MBA conference several months ago? So Fannie Mae has produced their detailed announcement on the requirements for this. It's going to begin with DU runs on March 19th, and they've got the complete release notes to illustrate the boundaries for this. So it's not going to be for investment properties and second homes, but they do have a list of transactions. So it'll be for purchase transactions, single family, LTVs of 90% or less, so a pretty predictable bucket that they chose for being able to offer a desktop appraisal. So we look forward to that. Freddie Mac's announcement was a little shorter. They said they would be making the messaging changes on March 6th for their LLPA okay. feedback messages. But we're still waiting for their details. But based on what you see in the feedback messages and their short announcements so far, they'll most likely align and it won't be playing one against the other in that particular oh, case. So it's definitely an area they don't want to be different in because neither one of them wants to be adversely selected for the appraisal process. Mm-hmm. So that's really the big news we've all been waiting for. We've got a little bit of a window here before it goes into effect. I don't recommend holding off on anything, hoping that your borrower gets some kind of reduced appraisal format right now. As you've heard with the market conditions, we're taking every deal we can to get those in the door. One of the interesting things that came up as a part of this also on January 20th, Fannie Mae introduced a research piece called Appraising the Appraisal. And the findings out of this are very interesting and something worth coaching and talking to the underwriters Mm -hmm. on your team or those who are doing collateral reviews and making sure this is talked about at your company and you're doing everything to make sure we're mitigating this. One of the top findings was that black borrowers refinancing their home on average received a slightly lower appraised value relative to automated valuation models. Homes owned by white borrowers were more frequently overvalued than homes owned by black borrowers. And six states, including Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, North Carolina, Mississippi, and Alabama, accounted for nearly 50% of the overvalued homes of white owners in majority black neighborhoods. So the goal here is to make sure that we achieve accurate and unbiased appraisal and make sure we just keep trying to level set, research this, and make sure we get to the bottom of what are the areas we can make sure that we're improving in. So I encourage everyone to go read this analysis. It was done on 1.8 million appraisals that were completed in 2019 and 2020. So worth a read for everyone. And that's my report for today, David. Thank you. Yeah, an important read. Tony Thompson, the National Association of Mortgage Bankers of America, who I just did a panel with here, as I mentioned earlier, was talking about some of this as that's a, a really new update. It is really important, especially when you see what's going on with CFPB. Is with CNCB back, they're more interested in taking more actions against mortgage bankers, and it's these kind of things that just create such a uh, strong narrative for them to do so. Alice, this is really interesting and something we got to pay attention to. Thank you so much, Alice, for bringing us up today. You do such a good job. In fact, we have said several people call me recently. Is Alice still consulting? We love her. She's amazing. And I go, no. Union Homes saw the value and they just snatch her up. And she is there permanently. But anyway, you can get your consulting of Alice by listening to the podcast. Go back to the website 
our Lincoln Unleading website. If you want to listen to all of Alice's updates or any one of the hot topics, you can do so and catch up with all that she has reported on here on the podcast. Alice, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Another great update. Thank you. Let's move over to Alan Pollock. Good to have him here with this week's weekly tech update. Alan Pollock, how are you doing, friend? I'm uh, doing great. And you? Sounds like you're doing great. I am good. You would you would be geeking out here at this Sinestra Forum. I mean, there's never been yeah. a new piece of equipment I haven't liked that I want to go buy. And I've been geeking out here. Oh, my gosh, the stuff they've got. This production company that's in here producing this is so it's over the top. Pretty fun. So anyway, that's what you awesome. got on the tech update, bud? So much stuff. I always look at the Internet for funny and interesting things. Uh, this one just had me laugh. The statement was, it's funny messages that people have socially posted on the Internet. And this one came from someone said, if I die while lifting weights, add more weights and then call 911. Let's talk about some fun stuff. So this company, yeah. I mentioned them a few times. I really like this company. It's called Capacity. They just closed $38 million in a Series C, basically surpassing $62 million in total capital raised. And they're saying that the money is going to be allocated to support new team members. They're looking to enhance product capabilities and ultimately optimize their support automation platform. Get this, David. Support automation, so think mortgage, is the next big thing in helping businesses do their best work. And they're building an AI-powered platform to meet all of that. The help desk automation market, this is the best part, and mortgage is so much a part of this, is expected to be more than 17 billion by 2024. So what's great about this is there's opportunity in mortgage technology, right? We've talked about this yeah. also with other folks, but chatbots go wrong sometimes. And so because we talked about chatbots, we've had face me on the podcast and some others. I want to just talk about one quick thing with chatbots. If you're going down the chatbot road and just Google it, there's tech platforms out there. Here's a really funny interaction. So the chatbot says, hi, may I help you today? And the person says, hi, are you able to take refillable water bottles into the venue? And the chatbot says, we don't have any events at the moment. Can I help you with anything else? And the person says, but can I take water bottles in? And the chatbot says, sorry, we don't take any requests right now. How else can I be of assistance? And the person says, in capitals, can I bring my reusable water bottle? And the chatbot says, we don't allow dogs on the premises. And then he says, what else oh can gosh. I help you with? And the person said, this is useless. Right? So – these interactions yeah. happen every day. So if you're going to put something in place mm -hmm. to just do nothing but help, right, 24 hours a day, customer service, get the name of a loan officer, direct someone to the link of your mortgage application, tell somebody that process you to contact them Monday morning, whatever it is, you've got to really script out the stories and think about how to handle what's called our alternative questions or alternative keywords so that you have a default flow that doesn't push somebody away. The last thing you want is frustration, okay? Anyways, capacity is one in our industry, 38 million they just, uh, they just took care of. All right, let's talk about this, David. Well, this is a, a company called Bubble. And if you remember, we had hmm. some friends that did the TechCrunch. They won the award. Matic Insurance, yeah. remember them? Well, this new company just released its insurance in a box offering. And what they basically are saying is that within a few minutes, consumers can protect their home as well as their families. And it's a top-rate insurance companies are built in, but it's ultimately API-driven. You can integrate it with your system, and consumers can pick homeowner and life insurance seamlessly into each real estate transaction. 
So it sounds like giving consumers the ability to control options and costs up front, adding value to what you're advertising, and of course, ultimate value and affordability to your consumers. So think about that. Bubble is the name of that company. Bubble. Now, David, get this. We've got a lot of digital point of sale platforms out there, right? And we've got a lot of borrow sentiment that we have to worry about as far as their experience. But we always forget about loan officers. Maybe the technology is too complex. Maybe it's not ready. There's a company out there called Staircase. They just launched what they're calling a low-code marketplace, allowing lenders to quickly build applications to automate the process. They have a first template right now. It's available in what they call their marketplace. It's a pre-approval. You can customize it, white label it. You basically can get it up and running in 30 minutes. It seems like it's mobile ready, meaning you can get to it on a website on a mobile device. It then generates the application flow. It generates a PDF. It can also read PDFs to collect data, and they even have it set up. They're saying to collect payments that can be applied towards the closing cost. So take a look at that. Company's called Staircase. If you're looking for a low code or low cost version, that's an option. And then, David, I've got some other news. Tavant, for those of you that use them, they just launched their, it looks like they call it the Velox NXT. It's an advanced version of their AI digital lending platform. So go check that out. Uh, and then, David, there's this awesome article in Mortgage Finance Gazette. It says, What's Tech to Watch in 2022? And there's like eight items. I'm just going to read one right now, but next week we'll focus on another one. This week, the one I want to start with is increased use of automated data services. And it says, in 2022, we should expect to be looking to leverage data, whether it's from government data, like from land and registry information, from companies' houses, mm -hmm. from real estate data we can get. Also, in addition to that, looking at data we already have, but getting more depth in that data, right? Reading more into the data. As an example, if we get a credit report, why just read the credit scores? Let's read all the properties and let's bring it to the consumer and say, can you validate if this is an investment property, right? So we can put it in the real estate owned and we can better qualify that person. Let's look at the depth of data. So as you talk to your vendors and you think about data, think about data you already have and data you maybe want to put on your roadmap to move forward. But for this week, David, I'm not going to focus on any others. I know we got folks at the, the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference. Good luck, and I hope things go well there. And then, David, I know you're at another one. Otherwise, it's great to have all you as listeners. Yes. Got a lot of feedback in your segment. People enjoy your humor that you come up with. Some of it is just out there sometimes, but it's uh, well-received. Thank you. And I appreciate the research you do each week to keep this segment really alive and well. Good job. Appreciate it. Again. You can go to their website, look at our lending, and look at all of Alan's updates. He has a lot of stuff out there that we've generated through this podcast. So appreciate it. You're doing a great job. Can't wait to hear what you got next week. Talk to you soon. Well, this wraps up this weekly mortgage update. Again, for those who are listening live, just stay right here. We're going to move into the Hot Topics segment. For those of you that are listening on a downloaded basis, move on to the next podcast as we break the live podcast into two segments. We're pretty much committed to going in a direction where we are going to do away with the live podcast like this. But you, those of you that are, love the live podcast, you can subscribe to it. So we're going to be doing it a Zoom. We're going to record it, and then we're going to release it on Tuesday for everyone to see on a downloaded. The vast majority of you listen to this on a downloaded basis. So we think that's going to be the most effective way to do this and um, get this out for all that's going on in the industry. But we thank you so much for being here for this week's weekly mortgage update. And now it's time to move into the hot topic.
topic. Say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastro, Lenders One, Accelerate, Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Group, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDocs, Success Kit, and Lenders Toolkit. So grateful to have all of these as sponsors. We appreciate you being here. Look forward to having you back here next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.